0: Don't call it a comb I'll have hair for years.
1: Wake up in the morning feeling like P.
0: Diddy. Hey, up, Grab girl? my glasses, I'm out the door, I'm gonna hit this city. Before I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, coming back. I'm talking
2: live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios.
1: You eat a chicken sandwich?
2: This is the press box.
0: The best is their chicken minis which are these little small rolls that they have butter all over them and like a chicken nugget inside of it and they're delicious.
2: I gotta
1: get out more man. I have a slice of wheat toast. With Grainy and Bischoff I gotta get out
2: more. On ESPN Las Vegas.
1: Wheat toast and water. It's the Breakfast of Champions. Ed, Tyler, and Jared. We're here on a Wednesday. Let's water? get it going.
2: Don't
0: you have one of those coffee every morning?
1: I I forgot it today, so I gotta go water. Oh. I, I do have I do have the uh the coffee drink. Um can't have that just alone though. You gotta throw in the wheat toast, but yeah.
3: the wheat toast to bring to you know, really bring out the flavor <laughs> yeah, in the coffee. Its
1: flavor. Uh, here we go. The first bite.
3: well <laughs> oh. How much trouble are the
0: Bucks in <laughs> one game? Jared uh, sighed. It was not a fun watch. Jared, I've nah. got good news for you. I'm optimistic about the Bucks. Yeah, I think they're going to be better. Like yeah, can't so be any worse. Well,
1: we're, they, you know, they had some some uh, level of, if you watched it, I thought they'd be a lot better the next game. I think Giannis will definitely be a lot better the next game. He wasn't bad, but um, I think he'll be better. But you talked about it a lot yesterday. They have issues on the pick and roll, so if they don't get
0: that figured out, the Suns are sure gonna get a lot of open shots. Yeah. So the Bucks defensively actually made an adjustment before this series even started, because normally the Bucks, when they are defending a ball screen, they will have say brooke Lopez, or sometimes it's Bobby Portis. That guy drops into the lane, and the whole idea behind that defense is you're not gonna get a layup off the ball screen. You might get a mid range jumper which the Suns are very good at, but you're not getting a layup off of that ball screen. Well, the start of that game, the Bucks just switched everything. And what it led to was a lot of possessions where Bobby Portis or Brooke Lopez had to guard Chris Paul or Devin Booker. And actually, the Suns, they were idiots to start the game. They kept trying to post up after the switches instead of letting Chris Paul and Devin Booker just attack you know, Lopez or Portis. They kept trying to post up, which was dumb, but it led to mismatches and the Suns' did a very good job of exploiting that. And it was so bad for them that the Bucks actually went back to their normal pick and roll coverage in the third quarter. The problem in the third quarter was that the Suns hit every single mid range jumper that they took, right? That drop coverage allows open mid range jumpers and the Suns made all of them. So the defense for the Bucks, they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do on ball screens because the Suns picked apart two different Types of ball screen coverages in the same
1: game. Well, when they switched and I mean, I felt it, it got so bad uh, on some possessions. I almost felt bad for Brooke Lopez because he didn't appear to have <laughs> any idea what he was doing. Drew Holiday, I thought, was terrible. Well, I thought he was terrible on both ends. And a lot of times he'd stay with Booker and chase him and Chris Ball would be wide open. So, they, yeah, you're right. They got to figure things out. And I just thought uh, it's like no matter what they chose and Van Gundy was talking about this, he goes, look, they got to make a decision here. And no matter what they chose, uh, after what the first quarter, the Suns were able to exploit it and and get the shots they wanted. And Chris Paul was really, really good last night. Um, You know, that last series, uh, you know, he kind of the attitude and everything like that. But he's he had a great game last night. He was really good.
0: So, Jared, here's why I'm optimistic about the Bucs. The Bucs are basically going to win this series (laughs) with math. Because the Suns are going to shoot mid-range jumpers. And they need to continue to let the Suns shoot those mid-range jumpers. But what the Bucs are good at, the reason the Bucs have been one of the best regular season teams in the NBA is because the Bucs get a lot of free throws, the Bucs get a lot of layups, and the Bucs shoot a lot of threes. Right? They they take the three efficient shots that you want. In this series, for the Bucs to win, they're going to lose the mid-range battle. But they need to win the other three areas of, of shooting. Free throws, layups, and threes. The problem was, in this game, Phoenix took 26 free throws and made 25 of them. Milwaukee yeah. only got 16. Phoenix was getting foul calls on mid-range jumpers, while yeah. the Bucs couldn't get foul calls on layups.
1: They didn't lose. They didn't, I don't think they missed a free throw until like the last yeah, quarter. It, was the it last, might have been their last one. Like, two minutes of the yeah, game, exactly. they missed their first and it was free already throw. over.
0: So any time that Phoenix outshoots Milwaukee by 10 from the free throw line, Phoenix is winning the game every single time. And, and listen, they made uh, 16 more free throws. And they won the game by 13. Like that. That's why Milwaukee lost the game. Now, the reason you should be optimistic is, A, Milwaukee's a very good offensive team in terms of getting to the free throw line. And, B, Milwaukee's a very good defensive team in terms of not allowing teams to get to the free throw line. And a lot of Phoenix's free throws came on mid-range jumpers, which don't normally produce free throws. So, when you're projecting forward, Phoenix should not shoot 16 or make 16 more free throws than Milwaukee in a game again in this series. So Milwaukee should win that area of the court. The other problem for the Bucks, they were 13 of 21 at the rim. Mm-hmm. They missed eight layups in that game. A lot of those came on like two possessions where they just missed some tip-ins, but they missed eight layups in that game, right? If they make those, again, they lost by 13. That's 16 points sitting there that they missed right at the rim. It, we're talking about the Bucks either winning this game or losing a very close one late, which is a whole different conversation. I'm optimistic about the Bucks because I think the way they beat the Suns, get to the free throw line more and make more layups. And I think they can do that. They just, they just need some better foul calls.
1: Yeah. And I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to miss eight at the rim again. Probably Cause that's not. what they do. Probably yeah. not. I think. And again, I'll go back to drew holiday. I don't think he'll be that bad again. And he was really bad at both right. ends. He was really bad four fourteen. 14. Like I said, he made bad decisions defensively. And a lot of times he'd stay with Booker and, and Chris Paul would have a wide open jumper. And drew holiday really struggled. I don't know if he'll be that bad again. I think also with the combination, at least offensively, Giannis will continue to, you know, get back into rhythm after sitting out that much. I mean, you know, if you looked at his numbers last night for a guy who sat out a week, they weren't bad, but I think he'll even be better. Um, And I don't know if, again, I don't know if Chris Paul plays that well again. Maybe he does. I don't know if he does. Now, you can say, well, if he doesn't, Devin Booker will. But uh, I I said the same thing last night. We're watching. I'm like, you know, we're we're watching at home. I'm like, yeah, they'll be better in game two. Yeah. I mean, they just will be. One, it always happens that you're better in game two. But. Um, I didn't walk. I definitely didn't walk away last night saying, oh, you know this is this is Phoenix is to lose now." I thought, you know, they'll, they can still get
0: the split. And if they get the split and go back, they're fine. How uh, how impressed were you with just not not necessarily like his stat line or his impact on the game, but like Giannis misses two games, had a hyper extended knee and looked fine. Yeah. <laughs> like. Did he yeah. limp once during the entire game? Or no, anything like he had that chase down block, and everyone was like, "Oh, okay, Giannis is good well, to go." There, and there obviously wasn't a minutes restriction. No, I mean, what did he? What did he I play? Mean, Thirty-five. Yeah, so. when he
1: went, he went. Um, which kind of again? It's all gamesmanship. It's all you're playing games. If they might look, they might have known a few days before he's gonna be fine. But obviously, you're not gonna say that. You're not gonna give the the Suns any kind of a. Uh, any kind of motivation or any kind of information. So he looked. He let me put it this way. He certainly looked like a guy who should not have been listed as doubtful yesterday morning. Yes. And he shouldn't have even been listed as questionable at two p.m. when they upgraded his status. Like uh, when, once they upgraded his status at two p.m., like this guy's playing now. He's questionable. An hour ago, he was doubtful. Like he's going to play in the game. And again, I was with you. I mean, bringing the ball up the court, exploding to the rim. Um, you know, he, he was really good. So yeah, I was. I mean, you're you have to be impressed. But I. I don't know how long it lingered compared to when they were pretty sure, yeah, he'll be okay to get. He'll, yeah. he'll be good to go. Maybe it was two days before, maybe it was a day before, but
0: I doubt he was doubtful yesterday morning. Yeah. I know why they said it, but I can't believe he was after seeing him. I'm curious, like, is he good to go the rest of the games? Like, if there's any lingering effect I guess of, guess hey, how, how's he wake up this morning? Yeah, you came yeah. back. I, I am curious to see that. But if, if they get that Giannis, and again, not necessarily his stat line or his production, but if they just – the way he looked, it looked like Giannis was fine. The Bucks have a legitimate chance oh, in sure. this series. No yeah, doubt about yeah. it. Now, again, all these things I'm telling you, Jared, where like they gotta make layups and they gotta make free throws and not foul Phoenix as much. That still just gets you like even with Phoenix. That gets you into a close game with Phoenix that you'll win some of the close games, but that doesn't mean, oh, they'll win by fifteen, which is the issue because they could do those things and they still could have lost last night by two points.
3: Sure. I mean, I'm just—I I need them to get more free throw attempts so that they can control the pace of play, <laughs> slow it down.
0: <laughs> uh, th- that's the other God. part. We got robbed. The referees robbed us last night of the fans counting Giannis free throws. Yeah, that's just. What did we end up getting? We got 12 Giannis free throws, yeah. which was all the Bucks took 16 as a team. Like, now as
1: I think Mark Jackson said, fans count a little faster than oh, referees. Oh, much, like, faster, yeah, much you know, faster. Referees are giving you the whole hand signal. They're going slow. And all of a sudden the fans, one, two, three, four. It's like, <laughs> they don't count like that. I mean, he was, I think it got to 13, like his first one, but then he was average 10, 11. He was, I mean, it was, it didn't get to like completely crazy numbers with the fans. It, he got to 10 or 11, then he let it go.
3: Pretty sure 10 is the limit. So i Pretty sure if he's getting to 10 or 11, he's walking the line.
1: Well, he's getting to 10, 11 based on the
0: fans. Oh,
3: yeah, With right, the
0: well. refs, he's probably at 8 The fans nine. are counting to 10 and about 8 oh, seconds. Oh, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Right. He's probably like 8 or 9. And the refs are probably counting to 10 in about 12 seconds.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's so, averaging it out. It's all balancing out, too. You know what he's shooting for? He's gotta, look, he's got to make more. I don't know how much it's in his head. It's been, it's been happening two series now, so obviously he's not surprised when he gets the ball that they're going to start counting. The Suns fans need to count down. They need to that start actually, at that that would actually be funny and start with what at 13? Well, <laughs> no, you start at 10. and yeah, Then you
3: start 12, going to negatives yeah, and
0: count down. <laughs> yeah.
3: Negative zero, 3, minus yeah.
0: 1. And you just you count down from 10 and then you just start screaming obscenities at the referees. Because you're like we got we're, we're doing your job for you referee. We've got it. We're going to count for you. You don't have to do it. Just call it when we get to 0. Jared, you're fine not for all the
1: reasons that have been spoken the first 10 minutes of the show, but for only the reason as Willie Ramirez just tw- texted, and "Remember now, Mark Stone says it's not as serious until you lose at home."
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so come on, Jared, you're supposed to come in with that tape. So yeah, again, it's it's no, it's, it's I, until you lose at home, according to Mark Stone. It's you know, it's just don't worry about it.
3: Yeah, no, this is this is one of those that I'm like, I, I was happy to see Giannis back, but at the same time, I'm like, oh God, can they miss? Like,
1: why won't they miss? I think you're. I'm not going to say completely fine, but last night
0: I'm like, eh, huh, they'll be bad. I, yeah. I won't be surprised if they they win Thursday for sure. They have to figure out what they want to yeah. do defensively. Like that's what they have to figure out. And the, when the Bucks, so in the regular season, like the Bucks, the D, the pick and roll coverage they play, where they drop the big guy. Basically, they're saying over the course of the regular season, teams are not going to make enough mid-range jumpers that it's going right. to hurt us win-loss wise. And that's generally speaking. And who a very knows if the Suns strategy. will the rest of the series? Right I mean, now, the Suns are the best mid-range team in the NBA, and it's the shot that they want. And Chris Paul and Devin Booker we talked about it yesterday good. are both right around fifty percent right. from that shot. So it's not a bad shot when Chris Paul or Devin Booker takes it. But I think if you're the Bucks, you are still going to go into this. You should still be in this series, saying okay. Let the Suns have their mid-range jumpers. They're going to make about 50% of them. Well, but then be We've better at the, be better on the other end. And the We've got to get free yeah. throws. We've got to make our layups. They did make their threes. They hit like 44% last cool. night. But they've got to hit their layups and and get the free throws to have a chance to and, basically outmath the Phoenix Suns' mid-range
1: jumpers. And I'll tell you what, one guy we haven't mentioned I thought played really well was DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, oh, I mean, he's been, they're not going to get 8 of 8 from him again. I don't even know if they're getting 19 rebounds, but that guy, well, for a guy a month ago, they're like, eh, number one pick what happened to that guy. He's been great in the playoffs.
0: Is, hasn't he, every single game in the playoffs, had 75% field goal percentage or better? Yes. They, like, they put that number out last yeah, night. Like, a lot of it's created by Chris right. Paul and Devin Booker. It's not like yeah. they're throwing it into him in the post and he's creating his right. own offense, but it's still 75%. 18 and 19, yeah, I'm sorry for him. Is unbelievable. Like, it's an incredible percentage. When we're talking about the Bucks missed eight layups yesterday. Third option? Yeah, I mean he is. He's a third option. Yeah, it's a it's Chris Paul and Devin Booker create and when they get a mismatch or when they forget about eight and rolling to the rim that's when he gets his touches, and he's he's exploited every single one of them.
1: The great part last night is we realized Frank Kaminsky's still making $5 million a year to play basketball, <laughs> I which is, was... I mean, Frank the Tank is like... He
0: comes in the game,
2: and I'm like, yeah. oh!
1: <laughs> no, I mean, oh. that's like that's like the greatest job in the world, one of the greatest jobs, is just be this journeyman who, you look up
0: his salary, Frank makes $5 million. <laughs> he's like, they're fourth big! The worst part is I've done that twice in the playoffs. <laughs> it happened before the finals, and I forgot about him again. Did you see when Sark goes down, and they go to the bench, they go, this means Frank Kaminsky. He started tying His shoes. I'm like, this
1: guy's shoes. He's thinking, I'm not getting to this game. It's going to be fun. And then the the camera goes, I'm like, see him tying his shoes. This guy's like, I'm going to play. That was the best. Like, is this guy's shoes not tied? He forgot (laughs) to wear
3: breakaway pants. He literally (laughs) goes like this and just, oh. Oh, that's beautiful. Hold on, guys.
0: Frank Kaminsky. There's your finals MVP right there. I'm ready. Four minutes of Frank Kaminsky (laughs) to finals MVP. All right. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the Oakland A's because all of a sudden, City of Oakland might be willing to give them some money. Get it over to Chris Paul. Paul on the drive. Goes inside. Go to the rim. Score it. Count it.
1: And he's fouled from behind by Giannis. Ho, brother.
4: At the end of the day, I'm out there. Um, I feel good. I don't feel pain. You know, I can run. I can jump. Uh, I can set screens. You know, I can uh, rebound the ball. I can do stuff. So I'm good. I'm happy. I'm happy that I'm out there. Uh, and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I haven't watched the clip, but when the play happened, I thought I'm going to be out for a year, you know, so I'm just happy that two, two games later I'm back.
1: Back then
0: I was probably more forceful with calling plays. Now he'll read the game, I'll watch him, he'll turn to me and I'll be like, you call it. Or
2: he'll be like, coach, give me something and then I'll be like, "We'll do this, that kind of thing, as opposed to me trying to run the whole deal. We're back to the press box morning show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. I don't know just trying to make himself feel better. Fight. You, you knew the Bucks need Chelsea Gray.
1: Grab the whiteboard. Grab the whiteboard. The it's like, hey, Mikey, get the hell out. It starts like <laughs> well, like Holiday. You suck tonight. We're gonna run a three for Middleton. No,
3: that <laughs> was that was the final sound. The final sound was literally the the coach for the Suns going. yeah, sometimes I just let Chris Paul yeah. just. You yeah. do it.
0: Ah, and, he why not? Did, and he's just no. like, all right. All you got to run is a ball screen. Bucks couldn't guard yeah. it. No, I could have <laughs> coached him.
1: Run a ball screen because yeah. it appears Lopez has no idea what to do. <laughs> I could coach the offense. <laughs> <last> Lopez <time.
0: laughs> looked up and
3: went, is that Frank coming? <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> Frank, your
0: shoe's untied. <laughs> all right. Do you believe that the city of Oakland will actually give the Oakland A's some money to build a ballpark out in Oakland?
1: No. I think they're going to try to give them some. I don't think they're giving. I don't think in for a second they're giving eight hundred fifty million. I think they're going to try to, as these reports say, maybe middle it and see what the reaction is.
0: So the way the Oakland A's want this eight hundred and fifty-five million dollars from Oakland is in the form of tax districts. So basically, create a district uh, around the stadium and all the tax collected in that district, instead of going to you know the city or the county it gets re-diverted to the Oakland A's to help pay off their stadium. They want $855 million in the form of these tax districts. The plan the A's have has uh, calls for two different tax districts to do this. A city administrator with Oakland uh, yesterday, according to the Sports Business Journal, recommended that they approve one of those two, tax districts now that would give the a's roughly 490 million dollars not the 850 million that they're looking for it would also require the county of alameda because they're in one of these two tax districts to uh, agree as well but this feels like if we go back to when the raiders were trying to get anything done out there this feels like the first time the city or the county has anyone has said yeah, we should probably give them some money. Maybe not everything they're asking for, but we should give them some public money for a stadium. It's like what
1: we said when Libby Schaaf, when that email went across the internet in terms of Libby Schaaf's telling the council or the, the constituents that uh, we need to think about this. She, I mean, that was after their first visit here to Las Vegas, and all of a sudden this email appears where she was a proponent or at least supporting of we can't blow this off it's not the raiders we've got to think about this and what can we do to get this passed so this is definitely the first time i think that the people up there the p- politicians up there are i don't know if they're concerned about losing another team i don't know if they you know in good faith or whatever that they want it that they want to do this so yeah i think I, I don't think they're going from 0 to 850 i don't think yeah. they're doing that let me ask you this they come up with the one tax district and it's
0: 490 um what do you do if you're a uh, big Dave? That is a good question. If you're the A's, because I do? think uh, to me, this is good news. If you're the Oakland A's because you're actually getting somebody to say, Hey, we should probably give you some money. Right. Whereas everything before has pretty much been, we're not giving you anything. Uh, I wonder if the A's have any sort of like secondary plan of like, well, if you don't want to give us the tax district, how about you give us some public money this way? Instead? I wonder if they have a second plan to somehow get some more money. I I don't know because here the, the part that's always been weird to me is the Oakland As, they say their plan is to build this 13 billion dollar complex, right? It's more than just a ballpark. The A's want to build uh you know mixed use where it's retail and dining and uh people uh, apartments or condos or whatever. 13 billion dollars is their estimated cost on that. Why the hell do they need 850 million? And so, like, if you told me, okay, you're only gonna get 490, I feel like, okay, you're still gonna go through with your the A's. But again, it's 13 billion, but you're asking for less than a billion in tax money. I, it's always hasn't made sense to me that they have that much money to do it, but need the tax district to get it. Done. Yeah. You said it yesterday. This owner can just come and build a stadium. I mean,
1: he has the money to do that. So in the big picture, if you're talking that massive a deal, obviously, look, it's the commerce. We talked about Seth Klarman here at a much lower level. It's the restaurants. It's the retail commerce around the ballpark. I don't I don't think you're getting that deal here. Like I think here, no, that is yeah, that is a good point. Would I don't think get- you're getting that deal here. So if you truly get four ninety from them, and it's a thirteen billion dollar project, which obviously most of it's your money, and, and you're going to make the money off it, and you still want to move, now I'm going to question: Do you really want to be there right. at all? I mean, do right. you really want to be there, or is this just a play? You want to come to Vegas or wherever you want to go? Because if they're willing to give you almost five hundred million dollars, like you said, for a thirteen billion dollar price tag. If the price tag was like 1.2 billion, and you just can't do it in 500 million, I say no. We need all 850. What's 850 to 13 billion? If you leave
0: at that point, you just don't want to be right. there. And is anybody here giving them 500 million dollars? Right? Like I'd be not surprised, the legislature. Right? They be, do not feel. They do not feel good about it. I'd be surprised if somebody came up with 500 million here for the A. So
1: now, could you do that here with? Henderson land not to make not to bring the whole Henderson thing in it but if Henderson says well is it out by the gallery I was talking to someone about this yesterday and they said there's still that land up by the Galleria in Henderson I don't know how much it's worth I'm not gonna be a real estate guy but
0: would that be enough for the A's to say well you give us the land the Galleria like the mall on Stephanie or like down by the Raiders facility
1: no well i'm not sure he said henderson and gallery but he said there's plots of land out there that henderson could essentially give them i don't know what it costs but would you do that if you're henderson i mean you're saying not 500 million but henderson says hey it's our land
0: yeah i mean because the land if you give away land you're talking about tens of millions of dollars not hundreds of millions or billions of dollars so yeah i think if you're i mean henderson would do that in a heartbeat Um, I don't yeah. think that's a like if you're talking about giving public money to a sports team, giving them the land for free is probably the worst or the best way. you. Well, it's could the best do that. way for them. Right. Yeah. Because it's not actually a whole bunch of money you're giving them. You're just giving them land at a discount or for free. So, yeah, I mean, that's possible. Now, location, I, I don't, I don't know, know where that would be and how desirable Henderson actually ends up being to the A's.
3: So I guess my question is, is if you're creating a special like tax shelter for the a's in oakland aren't you then as the member of the city council basically saying whatever benefit we were going to get from this being built through taxes through being able to improve things we have gone ahead and we've gotten rid of that benefit of building a new stadium yes all we now have is a new stadium where there will be part-time low-wage jobs yes
1: yes although like you said if it's eight fifty on the tax are they just saying the first eight fifty and anything after that down the line it goes back to the city? I believe so, but I so ultimately I'll, you'd make some money, yeah. but I don't know how long it takes to get to eight fifty. Right. I, have, I, I have no
0: idea. I'll, I'll say I haven't actually like read the A's proposal, so I don't well, know exactly what it is, but so I I think that's. I the don't know it would be for eternity. Yeah, I mean, some, You're not going. I don't think they're going to d- agree to that.
3: At some point, though, they may need a new
0: stadium. Yes. So, once they get to about seven hundred and ninety million, <laughs> they're like, Well, we need a new one. Yeah, so exactly. how We're about gonna, another tax yeah. district? But yes, you are right, Jared. That's why tax districts are stupid, because as a government, the only way the government gets money off any economic tax. activity is taxes. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you give those taxes back to the to the
3: A's, you don't get them. Go one step further. The government having that money means that we get better roads right exactly. and our schools get well paid that, that, of was the,
1: that was that was all raiders 750 million well it's not affecting you well indirectly it is right because yeah. my roads aren't better and my schools aren't better
0: and this isn't better so yeah it is indirectly yes. affecting they, us. they could have spent that money on whatever yes. they wanted here and they chose to give it to I don't know, education team. yeah <laughs> not important ed we don't need educated hey, people
3: there <laughs> someone has to be the mississippi of the west <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, coming up next, David Shane will join us to talk about Bill Foley and what he
2: wants to do with his roster and goalies this offseason. Want to be part of the show? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and leave your opinion. Matthew Joseph into the offensive zone Shoot right it, circle. Kids. Let's look at Maroon! Score! Ben Maroon! Ben Maroon! And this game is tied up 2-2! With six twelve left, we're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff live from the Findlay Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Whacking that thing around, see? Wasn't you?
1: <laughs> I can't wa- uh, DJ, just the word whacking that thing. I can't. I can't mimic that.
0: Wasn't you? <laughs> Joining us now from the Review Journal is David Shane.
1: David, how are you this morning? Hey, David.
0: Good.
4: I'm uh, definitely not whacking the thing around or, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. <laughs>
0: whacking that thing around there you go it's me that's not ed's voice all right are we going to do this again for an entire show I me mean, just yes. arguing of whose voice that and fake his? horses yes unbelievable <laughs> all right david um i before we get into any of the golden knight stuff i am curious your thoughts on the canadians and lightning and granted it wasn't a sweep it might end in five tonight uh-huh. but like if you're the golden knights how much do you care that the team you lost to has looked extremely <laughs> overmatched in the stanley cup final
4: I mean, I think only in the sense that maybe you feel like it's that much more of a missed opportunity. You know, you're probably watching the the lightning, saying, "Well, you know, if we were able to do a couple of things that they've been doing, you know, maybe they they'd be in that position." But yeah, I mean, I think it's I, I definitely it's like that old high school thing. You know, like, "Oh, well, we lost to the team that won the championship," or you know, or that that got, you know, <laughs> I don't think there's anything <laughs> like that. That's for sure.
1: I do remember that. We lost 65-6, to but they won the championship. (laughs) Uh, You had a great story about Bill Foley and your talk with him in the paper. And it was interesting. We talked about it yesterday. So there's a huge quote from Bill Foley about how much he likes two goalies, how well he thought it went. They got rest and all that. The last sentence interested us, so he said, but let's see what happens in a week. So um, when everything starts getting sorted out, so tell us percentage-wise when you walked away from that how much he truly wants both goalies and how much he might actually listen to McPhee and McCrimmon if they come to him and say, we have to move on from with these guys to get better.
4: So I don't know if I can put a percentage on it. I, I, maybe 50-50. I don't know. You know, the hard thing is I don't know where I was at before on it. I certainly, you know, not to discount anything that Bill obviously said, and, and you know, he was very adamant before uh, in public about wanting Marc-Andre Foy back, uh, but that was also a conversation that I remember having with him in, in Montana in October and feeling like there was a lot of uh, influence that maybe the pro scouting staff had on his decision-making process and that, and feeling like you know, maybe he wanted marc Andre Fleury back, and then once the pro staff kind of, you know, backed that thinking up and felt like, okay, we want to go with two goalies for this shortened season, it it validated his thinking. I, I feel like maybe he's a little more open to it, and then you take what Pete DeBoer said in his exit interview, and obviously, kind of, you know, hey, it was great this year, but we're not going to be in those circumstances next year. All things, you know, expected. So it feels like the door is open a little bit more to it. Maybe fifty-fifty is is a little bit strong, but but it just it does feel like everybody kind of looks at the situation and says, "Yeah, you know what? It was great. Maybe this was the one, you know, run we took at it." But they just can't allocate twelve million to the goaltending position and still do the things that they want to do. It just I don't see it. It just feels like it's going to come to a head at some point financially.
0: Last offseason, the reports were that the Golden Knights were going to have to retain like $2 million of Marc-Andre Fleury's salary and give up something like a second-round pick just to trade him. Uh, obviously, he wins the Vesna. That conversation is going to be different, but how much value would Marc-Andre Fleury actually have for the Golden Knights to get back if they do trade him?
4: Yeah, and that's another good question. I mean, I don't know that there's really a situation like that you know a 36 year old goaltender coming off of vesna you know on the trading block or trading block uh, there's not really a comparable for that so i don't know what you get i mean pittsburgh gave the golden knights a second round pick to take him in the expansion (laughs) draft so uh, you know uh, who knows at this point i will say this i think like you mentioned his situation is different it's He's got one year left at a $7 million cap hit. And if I remember right, the real dollars are actually $6 million. So, you, you know, you're getting a little bit of a discount, you know, on your money if you can withstand or absorb, you know, most if not all of that cap hit. I, I think it's just a different situation, you know, for teams maybe. If you're looking at one year, one run at them, um, you know, maybe you can make it work. So it's going to be, you know, obviously Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee like to say, you know, we're going to do whatever is best for the club, for the organization. Even Bill Foley said that. So clearly they're going to look at all of all of their options and, you know, wh- whoever comes with the best deal or if they feel like they're going to keep them,
1: yeah, you know, but- that's what they're going to do. We forget Gruden was running the penguin, so you know he gives picks back for no reason. Um, let's (laughs) let's go to the other side of it though, because Alan Walsh comes out and says he wants to be here. My guy will take like a reasonable, you know, rate. We think Alan Walsh might mean 10 million a year, but the most normal person would say, okay, (laughs) does that mean four? Does that mean three? So let me ask you this if reasonable rate means let's say four to five, no more than five, but four and you can say, we know you're 36 or 37, but you're in incredible shape, you won the Vesna. we'll give you two to three years for that, then then is the obvious thing you move on from Leonard. Like, how much did Alan Walsh's words maybe make them rethink, well, what could we really keep him for?
4: No, I don't think it made them rethink anything. Mm -hmm. I think that's just strategy by the agent. I mean, think about it from the sense of, like, they have to get all the way through this year before any sort of contract thing kicks in you know, next year when he would be 37 going on 38. So uh, I, I don't, I, I think that's just the agent doing his best to try to put pressure on the on the Knights to keep him there. And, and you know, this is a question that I asked Kelly McCrimmon in the, the end of season interviews was just, you know, look, Bill Foley's come out publicly and said he doesn't want Marc-Andre Fleury traded, or at least at that point he had said, it. Marc-Andre Fleury has come out and said, I don't want to be traded. There's a lot of public pressure on the night's front office on George McFee and, and Kelly McCrimmon here, just, you know, in the court of public opinion with Marc-Andre Fleury, and, and they're going to look like the bad guy. It, it's basically, I think, it's Alan Walsh strategically, you know, making Kelly McCrimmon and George McFee look like the bad guys if anything were to happen. And, you know, look, there's obviously a public spat between those two. Um, I'll credit Frank Saravalli on this, that he's even mentioned, you know, some of the names that have come up on the trade block have been Jonathan Marchsoe and Riley Smith and Max Pacioretty. And you can draw the obvious, you know, lines be- between the dots in Marc-Andre Fleury and Max Pacioretty and their agent. And it's obviously a very public spat between, you know, Alan Walsh and, and the Golden Knights front office. So, you know, you're, you're just kind of playing chess and 3D chess when, you know, others are trying to play checkers, I guess, with all of this, but I don't think it influenced... Know, their decision and they're always like, going to change their mind
0: so do you think alan walsh has a meme ready to go for when mark andre Fleury does get traded is there two 100%. swords in his back 100 percent, yes or something i don't know like a guillotine or like some <laughs> kind of medieval
4: you know like torture chamber to like fit with the knights theme yeah i totally totally see it he's got the he's got the I don't want to say the intern, but the assistant or somebody probably <laughs> working on it if it's not done already. Yeah. That was
0: that was one of my biggest questions from it. Who made that? Like, I can't imagine <laughs> Alex. No way well, he did it. that. Like, did they have somebody at their agency yeah. that is like, hey, you're yeah. the graphic designer yes. for when the agents want to go rogue and tweet there some There has to be. There's D. no way that guy made that.
4: Yeah, I would say there has to be because they, they, not to take this too seriously, but they do a bunch of like photo edits and things when like, you know, their clients do things well. So there has to be the guy who says, hey, we want this, you know? (laughs) So, hey, put it together, bud.
0: I want to see the email in the company that says, okay, once you get done with that graphic about Max Pacioretty scoring a hat trick, can you put a sword in Marc-Andre Fleury's back? (laughs) Is there, any, cha- our Is
1: there <laughs> any chance? Is there any
0: chance? Was Flurry's kids who like to draw?
1: <laughs> like, listen, not drawing uh, dad in the house. We got, maybe we got this, they'll then. get to do the next one, right? <laughs> Try, yeah, maybe they will do the next one. Uh, the other name that keeps popping up, and obviously, I don't think they'd be the only team. And I don't. You can tell me if you think they even have any interest. But we're talking about what fully would you know? Okay, in terms of Flurry. If they even came around the conversation of Jack Eichel, would there be anyone on that team where he'd say, no, we're not doing that? Would the would the overprice ever happen where he'd step in and say that's too much? Or would, he say, or would they convince him, no, this is Jack Eichel, we have to do this?
4: Well, I also think Marc-Andre Fleury, if I remember right, Scott, modified no trade clause, and I don't know how he would feel about going to Buffalo <laughs> at this point. Well, in what, if, what, if they,
1: what if they moved on uh, from him from someone else, and then they had to okay, Fleury's gone, now we have to look at the roster to make a deal?
4: Oh, are you talking about, like, to fill in, yeah. you know, like a backup position behind Leonard or something, like getting, like, Carter Hutton or something, just as is, is like yeah. a
1: backup? in terms of what they'd have to give up for Eichel. And Flurry's not involved.
4: Um, yeah, I, you know, I mean, I have a lot of questions about Eichel and just health and, and where he's at. And, you know, if the Knights can put together a package, that would, you know, I think obviously would interest the Sabres, but depending on, you know, what happens with, with other teams in there. I, you know, I don't know. It depends who the centerpiece of the Knights you know, deal is um, if it's Alex Tuck and Cody Glass. Like, I, I think obviously Buffalo might be interested in Tuck just because he's local. But you know, I don't know. We'll see. That that's going to be an interesting one here. I think that's going to pop up in the next couple weeks before the draft.
0: You think anything happens with the Golden Knights in the expansion draft? Are they able to work any trades to help other teams out?
4: Yeah, I think. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, help them. You know, or maybe just like vulture, maybe pick something off that. You know, I think we sort of maybe saw that with the Kings and Arvidson if if Nashville felt like they were gonna lose him, but the Kings said, you know, okay, well well let's make a deal here. Let's try to jump in and you know, we like the player, so you know, we'll give him a second and a third. The Knights gave a second and a third of the trade deadline for Matias Yanmark. I mean, personally I'd rather have Victor Arvidsson who, you know, might be a thirty goal scorer if you get if you get the right Victor Arvidsson. So yeah, I think there's there's certainly players out there to be had and I think, you know, just to transfer it a little bit, you know, Bill Foley was very adamant and very clear, and felt very strongly about the power play needing to be upgraded. And you take kind of what he said, and Pete DeBoer, and even Kelly McCrimmon, and you know, it feels like they they feel like a personnel change is what's going to fix the power play, not necessarily going from you know a one three one to a different formation or this or that. They need you know, as they go through this off season and they're gonna upgrade and try to improve the team that they're gonna do it with the power play in mind. And they're gonna look at guys who are effective, you know, five and four, five on three, four and three, all of the, all those different situations as well as five on five. And I think that's going to factor in, you know, a lot of their thinking. And I don't know how good Jack Eichel is to be quite honest on a power play. I don't know if he fixes that
1: problem. Maybe he does. Who's the worst softball player on the team, if you had to name somebody? On the golden night? Yeah, sure. He's you know the, the the celebrity games coming up. If you had to name someone no, yeah, you
4: don't yeah, want yeah. it the
1: plate to hit, who would that be? Oh, I'm trying to scan the
4: uh, the roster real quick.
0: <laughs> well, Kolasar can't hit the net, so <laughs> can you keep anything fair?
4: You know who? You know who's probably terrible. You know who I think would be terrible is William Carrier. He wow. looks like he is just nothing but hockey. <laughs> <laughs> like he couldn't catch a ball. He couldn't throw a ball. But, like, you put a stick and obviously skates in his hand, and he's fine. I, I, yeah, William Carrier, I couldn't see that one at all.
1: I. The only thing I remember from any of these softball games was – the year, it might have been. I guess it had to be last year. Whenever Howler was still on the team, I think they had that kid running the base. I'm like, didn't that guy have like a major knee injury? Does anyone yes. know, remember that? I'm like, he's stealing base. I'm like, I don't think that guy should be on the field. I'm like, yeah. yeah they, we now, were, you know, he we moved were all up. thinking that too. Yeah. Like,
3: and, and he had a little hitch in his giddy up too. Yes. Like, whoa,
4: this yeah. is not right.
1: McPhee over at City National with the binoculars saying, "What the hell is he doing on
0: the field?"
4: Yeah, and then he got traded a couple weeks yes, later. Exactly. So maybe that's what did it. Maybe they saw the hitch in the giddy
1: up and were like, "No, nope, no." Nope.
0: Well, Get him out of here. He is David Shane <laughs> from the Review <laughs> Journal. David, we appreciate it this Thanks, morning. Thanks,
1: Dave. Hit him straight, baby. Thanks, Hit him God, straight, kid. Me on.
0: Hit him straight. Oh, I... That's the only thing I thought of. I'm like, that guy had a major knee right. injury. He's out there running the bases. He's like, what, the only Golden Knight to have to be stretchered off the ice ever? And, yes. And like four months later is playing <laughs> softball and, and like trying going for an inside the park home run in a <laughs> softball game?
1: Can I be the catcher so I don't have to move? No, you're in center field.
0: <laughs> you will run after. And a slow pitch softball, so you will get like 50 put yes. out. <laughs> All right. Coming up next, we're going to get into some more uh, name, image, and likeness in college football because... Miami, their players are cleaning up. They are winning this so far.
2: Our stats hogwash? Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney.
4: I've just been really trying to, to think about
2: what puts me in the best frame of mind. What habits can I form that allow me to feel most in my body, most present, happiest? And that's what I've been doing. It's the Press Box with Gramian and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas.
0: The name, image, and likeness has been uh, a legal way for college athletes to profit for about a week. And I'm not sure if anybody is doing better than Miami football players. Derek King, their quarterback, he had signed up with, um, oh crap, I already forgot it, College Hunks Hauling Junk. Uh, he's a, a a spokesperson for them. Remember the
1: last you remember last week you first said that and Jared and I are like, is that a calendar? <laughs> like like no, you, no.
3: you you, you said you said college hunks. Yeah, you just said
1: college hunks and like and if then, you gave us a hundred you know, guesses I would have not guessed. Oh, those are the guys who move move furniture and they haul junk.
3: Yeah, oh, and then when junk. you said that I went and we're sure it's not a calendar. <laughs> so
0: that's Miami's like, quarterback. Just dudes without shirts on <laughs> picking up large objects. He, oh, Miami's quarterback also has his own website selling t-shirts with his own like personal logo. So if you want a Derek King t-shirt for some reason. The
3: personal logo need
0: to stop. Uh, let's, uh, let's come up with some for our own uh, now, Jared. But we've got more for Miami football players because American Top Team, which according to this story is an MMA training academy, they have an offer out. To all 90 scholarship players on Miami's football team, they would end up paying each one of them $6,000 a year to endorse America top team. And that would come out if all 90 accepted, that would come out to $540,000 over the course of an entire year for America top team to play or pay Miami football players.
1: I wouldn't want to be the number one ninety-one walk-on. Wouldn't mind that game. It's like, when are you going to like announce after practice that I'm the one who gets
0: discussion? When Remember they, every every year they do those things. Like Jimmy, come on up here now. When they announce, <laughs> oh. actually, here, okay. Here's what: since this is MMA training. <laughs> They've, Miami's got one open scholarship. They take their top two walk-ons. Put them in a cage. And they got to fight. <laughs> the winner gets the scholarship and gets the endorsement uh, deal, $6,000 a year. The poor wide receiver goes,
1: this guy's an offensive lineman.
0: I have no chance. I'm not getting the 6000 This
1: guy's 320 pounds. Just
0: run around until he gets tired. Just uh, keep moving hey, in a circle.
1: The one I actually gave the golf clap to was uh, Hersey Miller, the basketball player going to Tennessee State. Now, he's the son of Master P. The day after this open, this NIL open, he uh, he got $2 million from Las Vegas-based Web Apps America. So that kid right away got the $2 million uh, from that company. Um, I've not seen yet. They, we talked about her last week, the gymnast Olivia Dunn from LSU. I've not seen what she's accepted yet. We know the Fresno State basketball players, um, the twins signed with Boost Mobile. Yeah. I mean, it's everyone's you – know, I, okay, I will say this. I'm not going to say you know names or anything because it's sad to me. But I have seen a lot of these kids. It's kind of sad that they are, like, tweeting – I don't know if you know about name, engine and likeness, but I'm open for offers. And it's like, <laughs> you are a backup like player on an Olympic team. That it's like kind of sad because like they're all wanting something. But heck, if you're a Miami football player, like, and you're like the 75th guy, like, why wouldn't you want the six grand? Of course. I think you're all signing up for that. I mean, I mean,
3: it's also one of those things where I feel like, and I guess. DRF kind of explained it where you can't really be as the school, like bring it in like, hey, we we're, we're, don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like there's a level where it's Miami. They're probably
0: doing that. It's fine. I think my favorite one so far, though, is one that happened yesterday. A barbecue restaurant in Arkansas is sponsoring the Arkansas offensive line. Yep, oh, that's that, good. They, do it. I thought and, you like, could say Eric Musselman, but that's better. Like, that's yeah, that's very good. That is exactly what I want to see in name, image, and likeness. It's just like random barbecue restaurant in the SEC is like, you know what? Let's give some free meals to the offensive linemen. <laughs> and the, the offensive line say, hell yeah. The one I like most is Barstool.
1: Have you seen that? Dave Portney, the very first day it came out, some girl from, I want to say Mississippi State, someone like just emailed him and said, hey. I want to be the first Barstool athlete. And at that point, Dave Porter's like, I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. He goes, but okay. Since then, he's signed hundreds of athletes, and they get like a t-shirt and like something else. And he's on there like every day saying, I have no idea what we're doing. He goes, but we've signed are like- paying 100- him, Are they No, they're getting t-shirts. they just sitting the yeah, t-shirts? No, but Dave party's like, I don't know what this is, but we have a stable of like 500 athletes now, and everyone's reaching out saying, can I be a Barstool athlete? Oh, it's great. He's made up new t-shirts and just stuff. Just for t-shirts? Like, I yeah, or food? Yeah, it's not like they're not paying them, because, because when NIL came out- the the girl did this and Portney's on Twitter he goes I don't know what this means but it kind of sounds fun so we're signing
0: this person and then like every day all these athletes are like can I be one of the like yeah sure stop <laughs> signing up for t-shirts go get some free food exactly. come on this barbecue place has got you <laughs>